I'm your host, Tim Brigham, and you're watching Coffee is for Closers, where we look at the hottest real estate market trends and who are the top producers. Today, we're looking at Chicago. Now, looking at last year, inflation remained high and well, interest rates kind of gave us a panic attack. But what's strange is luxury sales outperformed like never before in 22. How's that gonna translate to 23? Stick around, I got a chance to sit down with Chicagoland's top performer. More on that in a minute. And now for the top producers in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. Coming in at number five, Kim Alden with 86 transactions for the year. Number four, Craig Falico with 89. Taking the number three spot, John Morrison with 99 transactions. Number two, Holly Connors with 126. And the number one spot, Maria Del Bacchio with a total of 139 transactions. Congratulations. Now taking a look at the Southwest suburbs, we had a tie. Number five and number four belong to Patricia Wardlow and Linda Feinstein, both with 76 transactions. Number three, Brian Bomba, with a total of 87 transactions for 2022. The number two spot with Catherine Beer, 99 transactions. And the number one spot in the Southwest suburbs for 2022 is Don McKenna, with 137 total transactions. Congratulations. And coming into Chicago, who were the top producers for 2022? Starting with Jeff Lowe with 186 transactions. Number four, Greg Pekarski, 208 transactions. Coming in number three, Ben Lalez with 219. And the number two spot belongs to Lee Marcus with 257. Top dog in Chicago for the year of 2022 belongs to Matt Laracy with an outstanding 511 transactions. I got a chance to sit down with Matt earlier and take a tour of his latest $5 million listing and pick his brain about what he thinks of the future of luxury real estate for 2023, but more importantly, his future outlook for what's about to happen next. Welcome to Coffee is for Closers. My name is Tim Brigham, and today with me is Matt Laracy, top producer in Chicago for 2023 and multiple years running. But uh, for those of them that don't know you, Matt, please introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, my name is Matt Laracy. Thanks for having me. Um, I drink a lot of coffee, so I'm going to have to close some deals to, to be able to get there. Uh, I'm a third generation agent. Uh, I've been licensed uh, since 2006. This is pretty much all I've ever wanted to do with my entire life. Uh, and uh, I, I think uh, since I was two or three years old, getting into real estate was always my passion. So that's kind of my, my background uh, of who we are. And uh, I have a team um, called the Literacy Team. We're located out of River North. Uh, most of us are family or known through somebody in some way. And, you know, we're just uh, kind of a little boutique group that's trying to make some waves in this big industry. Well, you're making huge waves. You're doing a great trying job. To. I mean, trying it's. To. 
it's pretty incredible that the the how quickly you have grown this team but you've done it in an intelligent fashion i mean you've been very selective with who you've added to your team but yeah. they've all been very successful under your leadership yeah i mean i think when people say quickly it makes it sound like it's quick but in reality i mean i got in 06 so in 06 07 and 08 so my first three years i didn't make any money i think in my first four years total, I made $17,000 total in four years. So everybody looks at us now and like, well, I feel like you've, you, you know, made it really successful really quickly. And I hear this all the time. I'm like, well, I mean, I got in the business when I was 21 years old, right? It's like, I didn't really like get like, start to see success. I was like 25 or 26. I mean, we're talking like seeing success, like doing like 5 million a year. Okay. Which in my opinion is not successful, but like at least starting to like, not like, you know, be in complete credit card debt. I mean, I lived right. at my parents' house. I was 27. Okay, so that means my first six years in the business, I lived at home without any money. I didn't have a girlfriend, okay? Uh, nobody wanted, I mean, this is the, the great recession. So I'm, I'm not making any money, I'm living at home. I'm like, I'm selling real estate. Like how hot is that to checks, right? Um, so, you know, I, I, I think people only see like the Matt Lercy today, you know, my thirties when we started to do really well, but like they don't see like good seven or eight years before it. And today's real estate agents who get in the business, the market's, you know, doing amazing, right? And they're like, oh, I can't believe I made less than 100 GCI a year. And they're crying and complaining. It's like, fuck, man. Like, you don't even know what it's like to grind. So, I mean, it, I, I always find it interesting when people are like, you know, you made it quick. It's like the reality is, I mean, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're going on almost 20 years license at this point. It's incredible. I mean, that's the whole point of this show, right? Yeah. We, we, we saw, I was in a bar one time and I was, I was listening to two agents argue, mm -hmm. right? And they were both right on com two completely different sides of the fence. Yeah. And it, it's, it's exactly what you're talking about is that it's that grinding passion that you have for this industry that you, you grind it out yeah. to get to where you need to be, but really being a master of your craft. Yeah. I, I think you've created some incredible systems to, to get you where you are today. I mean, talk to me about your team and, and how you, how you run your team. Yeah. I mean, so like, you know, when I first decided to start a team, I realized I was like super busy and I, I physically, physically just could not handle all the business. Remember, I, I closed a little over 54 deals uh, by myself without any assistance, any help or anything like that. And I was like, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need some help if I wanna take this to the next level the next year. Uh, and I think the problem is right now is everybody who gets a real estate license, they do like two sales and, and we sell downtown Chicago, mostly like in downtown markets, say, you know, like Lincoln Park, like you're including stuff like that. And you have a lot of kids who grew up very rich and they naturally will get two quick sales because like, you know, their their mom's cousins got to buy off them. They're buying a $5 million place downtown. So like, you know, they do $9 million their first year and the two sales are like, they're, you know, their best friend's aunt or something like that, you know? And they're like, well, I'm gonna start a team, right? I'm busy, right? And like, well, you got, first comes the, the Instagram post of yeah, being a million dollar listing. Getting right? out of a Lambo, getting yep, into right? that place. And I get it. Like, you know, you know, you want to fake it till you make it type stuff. And, and I, I'm not, I'm not hating on any of that stuff because I think everybody should be able to try to find the way. But what I, what sure. I do hate on is the fact is that like, everybody has to claim that they're like the most successful right off the bat. Like I remember when I, when I was starting, like I would brag that I was not successful. Like I would go on listing appointments and people would be like, why am I going to hire you over like a Jenny Ames or a Mario Greco? You know, like those, those were the top agents and they're, they're still top agents. But yeah. I was coming up and I'd be like, I'll sleep in your bed to sell this place. <laughs> I'm like, Love I'm it. living at my parents' house. I'm like, nobody wants this more than I want it. I'm like, how bad do they want it? That's you know, great. and I was like, and they're like, well, how many sales do you have? And I would say, I would say right to face. I was like, I have zero sales in this building. I've never sold a condo in River North in my life. But guess what? Everybody's got to start somewhere. You give me the one that gives me the start, because I'll tell you right now, I'll sleep outside. I'll do whatever it takes to win. I'm like, are the other people willing to do that? 
It's like, I didn't have to try to fake to act who I was. Yeah. I owned who I was. I was a kid on the South side that wasn't as cultured or didn't know as much about the business that everybody else did, but I was willing to work for it. And when I finally got to a certain point where I felt like, hey, I couldn't handle this business anymore, I was like, I'm gonna need to take somebody on. My first hire was my wife. At the time, she was just my girlfriend. She was teaching uh, third grade at the time. Maybe it was fifth grade. She'll kill me for this, I should know this. <laughs> it's one of the greats, it's elementary school. And uh, she was like, hey, realtors are like barbarians. Nobody's organized, right? Everybody's super disorganized. Right. So she created the system. She's like, hey, listen, like you can't bring a system that nobody's gonna know, right? Like people are idiots. Like iPhone one, because like a kid can pick it up and use it. So she's like, we're gonna base everything off Google. It's very easy. It's very simple. And she's like, we're going to color code stuff. When you color code stuff for visual learners, it'll make people be able to adapt and, and learn it really quickly. So she built our systems. She was my first assistant. So she was setting up appointments in between periods. Okay. So, so, so I, I, I want to stop here. So yeah. you're telling me your wife, you didn't hire another company. You didn't, you didn't get jump into this. Your wife built your entire system on Google. That's well, incredible. She did. Yeah. And then we worked together of what would work and what wouldn't work. And she started taking, you know, um, like the appointments on her listings and things of that nature. And it was a lot of trial, trial and error. Like, yeah. I mean, like I'm not perfect. I mean, there was a lot of stuff we thought would work that blew up in our faces and people like yelled at us and fired us about it. And there's a lot of stuff. And, and, and the other thing is like, I'm not like, I, I think a lot of people think I'm like super egotistical, which I'm not saying I'm like, I, I don't like, of course I'm like got a little bit of ego because I'm successful and every person is going to have that. But I'm also like not too big of a person to like take constructive criticism or ask what I could do better. Right? So in those first years, we'd, we'd be like, Hey, just out of curiosity, like, do you like this system to our clients? Like, would you like us to change anything? And after the fact, we would also follow up and be like, hey, listen, like, what like, what did we do right? But also, more importantly, what can we do to improve on? And I think a lot of our customers saw that we, I really cared about being the best. I, I don't think there's anybody who's ever met me in my life that didn't at least know that like, as fucked up and crazy as I am, they're like, I, there's something about this guy that's just like, kind of like on this path, right? Sure. And, and people would tell us and they'd be like, hey, and they wanted to help. That was the best part. They'd be like, hey, listen, like, I thought you did this awesome, but like, what if you did this? And I think this would be cool if this happened. I'd be like, totally. And instead of like what most people do, right? When they get start to get a little taste of success, like, oh, I could do everything and ah, I don't want to hear that. We're like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like, let's let's try to, you know, warp the inner system. So she was my first hire to, to help us do that. And then I hired my older brother to help do some like odd jobs, like put up uh, lock boxes and things of that nature. My brother was uh, a bad kid, uh, like he was older, but like he has a little bit of a drinking problem. Uh, <laughs> and so I had to fire him. Uh, and, and people think like, oh, do we not have a good relationship? No, I mean, it's fine. Listen, the guy, he didn't want to do real estate, you know, like he just was like, yeah, I can make a couple bucks working with Matt and yeah. didn't work. So we let him go. Um, and then I took out my first two hires uh, as salespeople. Um, and uh, we were, we would work at my condo at Litterby, uh, out of, out of my condo, uh, while we, we tried to build a company. And then I took on my first assistant, uh, and then I let, not, I didn't let my wife go, but like my wife just didn't want to do it. You know, she, she so what, what year was this that you were in? So 2013 is when I, I started the team. Okay. Um, so think about that. Like I started in 06, I didn't start wow. until 13. Yeah. Okay. So, and I didn't move downtown until 2011. So in 2006, I was living at home with my parents. I didn't move out to 2011. And you're starting in 06, so you're going through 08. Yeah. And then you're going into 13, right? Yeah. Which, that's, yeah. that's a big testament to who you are because not a lot of people survived. Yeah, I mean, to me, I always said to everybody like during the Great Recession that like, I won't get rich in money, but I'll get rich in knowledge. And and I, I always, I never understood in real estate that like, there's no, there's really no, I mean, you could, nowadays you have podcasts and books and all this other shit, you can, you know, do whatever. But like, yeah. when we were coming up, I mean, you had books, 
there was no i mean audiobooks were weird but not they're not like podcasts today and stuff like that you know what i mean so like i would try to read the books but they're all bullshit like i don't need some guy that's never really sold anything tell me what to do right. uh i'm a trial and error guy i'm uh i'm like a hands-on so I, those you know few years that were terrible i mean i didn't have any business anyways like i got in at the end in december of 06 when i got in so 07 was like really my first year so it was like okay i'm trying to figure it out and then pfft, market blew up and i sold on the south side of chicago to start they already got crushed i mean you had yeah. three flats that were going for eight hundred thousand, going for you know one hundred fifty thousand. that's not a joke yeah so it's like you know that's you know so yeah we were, we were trying to figure it out and I, and I had a will i figured if somebody else can make it so can i so we were able to make it through it and but again i didn't start my team since 2013. so when we see these kids today starting these teams day one it's like the biggest problem i have and biggest advice i give to other people is like how can you start a team and have and, and be the leader when you don't even know the answers right i mean i can't tell you how many of these these bigger agents that i i talk with and they don't like i'll they'll send me an offer for 550 with five thousand dollars back and i'll be like you're, you're okay so you got a 545 offer it's just it's like no i offer 550 i'm like well you got five thousand dollars closing costs so like like it <laughs> it's means 545 right and like what are you talking about it's five and they're screaming at me i'm like all right listen dude now, now i'm gonna be an asshole because like like you're trying to talk down to me i'm like listen like there's five thousand dollars where's it coming from like, are we shaking trees and this money's falling out? Like, it comes from my seller. Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so if my seller's giving you 5,000 and then you offer me 550, the price is 545, right? So if I'm explaining this and this guy's got a team of 15 people, right. how dumb are the people underneath him? I know it sounds bad, but it's like, you're going to take on the stuff. So I think when people form these teams and when we decided to form a team, my biggest thing was like, I got to make sure that I know what I'm doing in and out, that I can answer every question on the business before I ever think about having somebody work for me because I don't want them to look stupid. Right. But also anybody that I take on on my team is a Navy SEAL. Like I'm not looking to take on a, an army guy. I'm not looking to take on like a Marine. I'm so a, a SEAL. So a specialist. You're looking Correct. for people who are, who are very specific in their trade. The right? best of the best. I want nothing less. And like, I'm not more, I'm not a more or, uh, you know, I think a lot of people now brag. That's the other big thing is people are like, I got 50 people on my team. You know, it's like, and people are like, oh, that's awesome. Like you got 50 people on your team doing like 40 million. Like what the fuck? It's like embarrassing, you know? And it's usually, you know, 1% of the, 2% of the team that's actually doing something, right. right? So like, you know, I don't need a bunch of people who are gonna do nothing and just maybe cause me more headaches or more importantly, ruin my reputation. Because ultimately every single person you have working for you is a rec uh, reflection of who you are as a person. You know, so when we hired people, when I decided to take on team members, that was really important to me is making sure that one, they had the same work ethics as I did. Uh, two, that they fit the culture, yeah. you know, like who we are. Like nobody on my team, we don't like not get along. Like everybody gets along extremely well. So it, it does take longer to find somebody that has a work ethic first off, which is like almost impossible to find in today's day and age. And the second thing is like somebody I like, I gotta like them. Like I tell people like, like right now I'm hiring marketing people. I'm like, I, I, you know, people are like, why didn't you hire me? I'm like, honestly, I just didn't like you. I'm like, I don't mean that in a rude way. I just like, I just, I gotta be around you fucking 10 hours a day. Like, I don't like you. There's, you know? there's, a, there's a certain freedom there, right? Where you can actually, just tell somebody like, look, I have nothing against you. It's just, yeah. I don't want to spend every single hour with you and us get, I don't think see us getting along. Yeah. You know, that's, I want you to know this, right? I've watched your videos and mm -hmm. I've watched the, you know, the, the social stuff that you do. And mm -hmm. in comparison, some of the people out there, you watch their videos and you see their things and then you meet them in person mm -hmm. and they're two different people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You are not that. It, when, yeah. when, when you do yeah. a deal, when you're in yeah. business, when, when you're yeah. in, all, everything that you see, that is really you. Authenticity. Yeah. Right. How important is that to you? Um, I, I just, I think one of the main reasons 
I got to where I got is that I'm not so full of shit. Like I always tell people like when I go on, a, one of the main reasons I lose a listing appointment, if I, if I lose, which is rare, but if I do lose, it's because like a price this is one of the main things. You know, every now and then there's a personality conflict. They're like, this guy's a fucking weirdo, right? Uh, which is cool. I am. Uh, but you know, they're like, they're like, uh, I think my place is worth a million bucks. Right. And like, I had two agents tell me it's worth a million. I'm like, listen, like I'm a numbers guy. Like there's not a single number that says you're worth more than 900,000. And they're like, well, why they say it's a million dollars. I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm in sales. I know exactly, I can, I know exactly how you want me to act, what you want me to say, how you want me to talk to get your business. I get, get your business. Right. And then three months later, all I'm doing for those three months is just talking about price cuts. And I turn into this different person and blah, blah, blah. Like, what you get is what you see. Right. I'm not trying to act like I'm not, you know, somebody else. I'm not going to bullshit you to try to get your business. And in today's day and age, I think a large part because of social media and because people want social acceptance is everybody's so full of shit, you know? I think everybody thinks they have to be the realtor, the cliche realtor from American Beauty, right? The movie where the, I'm going to sell this house today, right? It's yeah. just, it's, yeah. it, it's craziness. Yeah. You know, I think that there's, there's some real honest clarity here that yeah. if you're genuine and you're authentic, yeah. you'll attract more people and maybe you might lose some along the way, but you're proof that, you know, yeah. that you'll gain more than you'll lose. Right. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. We, we talk all the time. Like there's, there's 10% of people, no matter what, like we just know, like there's like, you just know when somebody doesn't like you, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty quick. Yeah. It happens. And, and I'll tell you what, I will, there's a lot of times with those 10% that we don't, that don't like me right off the bat that I, I win them over. Cause I, I call it out. Like I get, you could tell when somebody doesn't like you, you know what I mean? You sit down with them, just the energy's not there. Yeah. They just got that look to you. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know what it is. I just, I just feel it. I, I say it to them. I said, listen, like, I get it. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just, I get it. They're like, what do you, what do you get? We didn't even talk. I'm like, you don't like me. I'm like, you don't like me, but I'm the best person for your job. Like, you don't have to like me. I'm going to sell the place. Like, <laughs> you may not like my personality. Out, right? I'm like, you'll like, you'll like this person's personality on my team. So you could talk to them most of the time. I'll be in the back selling your place. Like, how's that sound for you? Does that work at least? Honestly, you know, 50% of the time I'll get the listing still. A lot wow. of times you're like, you know, it's just, no, not going to work out. It could be maybe cringeworthy, embarrassing, but like, I, I am not one to try, you know what I mean? Like I'll get everything I can. Uh, and I think, you know, be being authentic and, and, and trying as hard as you can to try to win in this business is, is two things that people just don't do anymore. What do you think um, you see the biggest mistake agents make? You know, there's going to be agents watching this and for our yeah. audience, you know, they're, they're looking for your your knowledge on, on yeah. how they can improve. I mean, there's a lot that I see that's wrong. One is education. You know, knowledge is power, right? Like people don't know the business. So it, it drives me literally, for any agent out here that doesn't like me, it's probably because I like lit them up, right? Because like people like walk around and and they act this this way, that this entitlement and then they talk down to you and it's like, listen, I, I'll get talked down to by you once. I'll let you talk down to me twice. The third time, like I'm gonna show you who can, I, nobody can argue better than me. I really, I really feel that I can argue better than anybody. And I have zero fucks about going for the jugular when you fuck with me more than twice. And you know, one of the big things I see is this, this power of entitlement and they have no knowledge in the business. So people, and I have it right now. I have people like, well, you know, the market's failing, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, if the market's not failing, you don't even know what the hell's going on. How many months of inventory is in this uh, location? How many units have you sold? Right. We had people, everybody in December, right now it's January, you know, mid, end of January. I don't know when this will be released, but it's end of January. And I, I, if anybody's 
ever saw in my podcast. I've been talking for the last three months. I said, wait until January, February, the market takes off like a rocket ship and every asshole realtor out there is gonna be telling me like, can you believe how hot the market is? I can't believe how hot it is. It's so crazy. I'm like, I fucking told you it was gonna be unbelievably hot. This isn't rocket science. The same cycles happen every year. We're the most rent heavy city in the country. Everybody's leases come due. March, April, May, first part of June. People come back from holiday, they wanna buy. So demand goes crazy and there's no inventory. Happens every year, right? And every December, every agent's been telling me, it's a different market, man. And the market's not coming back next year, it's not. And they're screaming at me, telling me I'm a fucking moron. And then I see that same asshole in January, like, are you busy? Can you believe how busy it is? It's busy, right? It's like, you were the asshole telling me the market was gonna come back. And you know? what they're doing is they're showing their experience, right? I mean, typically that's an agent that, in my experience, has been, doesn't have the, you know, the 06 start. They haven't seen these cycles that continue to repeat but, themselves. You've called it every single time. But it doesn't matter if you have the experience or not. Don't project like you know what you're talking about and then try to belittle somebody with entitlement bullshit right. to say it. So when I talk to eight newer agents, it's always the agents who, it's at like four to $10 million hitter. You know what I mean? Because a lot of the times the brand new ones, and I appreciate this, if you don't know what you're doing, like I, I remember there's a, there's a few agents that I know very well that when I was first starting, I didn't know. And I would ask him, be like, listen, you're right. This is my tr first transaction in this area. I, I was not familiar with that. I, I, I'm apologize, you know, apologetic about it. If you could tell me what I what I did wrong and what, what I should know, I, I would be appreciative, right? You, you're not gonna know everything from day one. Why is it so bad to admit that you don't know something? Right. That's the thing I don't get. So that's why I'm talking about the knowledge. But the problem is, is that four to $10 million hitters want to flex their muscles. You know, made maybe a hundred grand for some ever tasted a couple bucks and they want to act like an asshole and come at you. You know, it's like, listen, like we're in this together. Like just, I'll close the deal for you. Just, you know, ease up a little bit. Don't be screaming at me over this bullshit or trying to tell me what to do with my job. And then that's why I become asshole mad, you know? Right. And then the second thing is just like the other big thing I would tell people that, that needs to uh, learn the business is follow up. I will say that nobody under 35 understands how to follow up. You know, like, I mean, the minute I'm done with an appointment, whether it's a buyer or seller, a, first thing I do is send a thank you follow-up email. Immediately recapping my conversation. Super important to recap that conversation, right? How many times have you told the borrower like, hey, if you put down 20% uh, and you pay off that car debt, uh, you'll be able to get the loan, right? But you're really busy because you just got a phone call now. And you forgot how much, how much money did I did? I took it down, but I, I think I remember. And then he calls you up next day later and he goes, you said I could get away with 10% if I paid off that car debt, right? You said 10%, you're like, no, I said 20%. Now it's a he said, she said game, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I recap and I love doing this with sellers because I follow up immediately with our conversation. You're moving to New York, your time frame's this long. Here's the price point we discussed. Here's my commission. And here's what I need to list your property with my full questions, right? I do this for one fold, one for my own recommendation or, or, or uh, uh, remembrance, right? Of understanding what happened, mm -hmm. but two, so a month from now, if something happens, like, well, you said this, because this happens 50% of the time when people are uh, uh, following, like if the place doesn't sell, 50% of the time they come back and say, well, you know, we listed at 500 under your recommendation and now we're sitting. I was like, oh, well, here's a screenshot of the email where I said that we need to be listed at 450. You said 500, because I recapped the email. If they said something different, I'm like, you said 500. I said that if you list at 500, we're gonna sit and get stale and we're gonna sell for less than my recommended price. I'm like, so here's the email where I said that. Just super so you know. smart, you know? super smart. And I'm not shoving in their face like, fuck you. I'm shoving their face being like, told you so, in a polite way. You're you really know? telling them you should still trust me, right? right. I'm showing you that we had a plan. Right. I still respected you enough to do yours and look what happened. I mean, the reason I probably don't get fired as much 
as probably the average realtor is probably because like to show that I'm right, I have proof of why I'm right, you know? And I send two uh, emails a week to every seller I have recapping everything. So again, if anything ever happens, I'm like, here's here's the documented Track proof record. Yeah. of everything I've ever sent you, you know? But the reason why I call it follow-up in particular is like, these are just examples of follow-up. I can't tell you how many agents that I, and I talk to people like, um, I don't ever ask why did you choose, like who did I go against? I was like, is there any reason in particular why you chose us for somebody else? Like, honestly, I didn't hear back from the other two people. You know, like there's no follow-up. Wow. Or, wow. or like, I've been trying to get a hold of the person. There's been, That's I will huge. tell you, there's been numerous times where I wasn't the person they were gonna pick, buyer or seller. And they're like, I haven't, we reached out to them like four or five times. Like, we haven't heard back from them. You know, you're blowing me up. Every day, every day, I spend two hours a day, every day, seven days a week. If I'm on vacation, if I'm, you know, well, I never take this up for being sick, but whatever, no matter how busy I am, two hours a day, I follow up with everybody, every day, okay? So if you're an agent and you're listening to this, li listen to what he just said. He's eating off your plate because you're not calling your client back. Right. Call your client back. Right. No, we preach this in, in, within my team too, Good. is that you have to follow up. That's I think it's the biggest mistake that most salespeople make is they have an initial call and they assume something right. and then they get busy with something else. So before we get into predictions, you said yeah. something that I, I would love to expand on. I see your, your videos that you post of mm -hmm. your no days off, yep. right? Yep. Is that real? Like, yep. do you really not take days off? I took uh, 16 days off total last year. Uh, I, and two of the days, which I, I think are bullshit, because <laughs> I had a kid and I, I gave myself a full day off, but I we went to the hospital at like 1.55. And the kid came out by, I think he was born 2.30 or 2.32 or something like that. And by like three o'clock, I was back in the Northwestern Lounge working till like wow. nine o'clock. Okay. Wow. What do you, I, I, I always, I always when people are like, well, you had a kid and but it's like the reality is kid comes out, they wrap him up and then they take him, you know, to that whatever they do all the shit they got to do to him. Yep, Your wife is beat to shit, right? They're like, like my, to I, I don't know about yeah. you, but my wife's like, listen, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to see anybody. I'm tired. Yeah. I just pushed this thing out of my body. You're, you're in a, you're in a, a room like this. This is what you're doing. You're sitting in this room on this uncomfortable bed. So like, yeah, so I was like, okay, got my computer. I went in the lounge. Actually, I got her car. I went to my condo, got my computer, went back to the hospital, and I just went in the lounge and worked. But that was one of the days off. The second day off was the next day in the hospital where I worked in the lounge the whole time. So like, my, my, my point is like, there was never a single day while I was in Chicago, not working an entire day. Wow. I took uh, four days off. I do every year. I go to Napa. Uh, I did a three-day trip to um, Florida with the kids. Again, I don't know if I'd call that a vacation when you travel with two kids and a pregnant wife at that time. And um, the other times was Christmas, Thanksgiving, yeah. um, Easter. You know, it was like major holidays. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, I, I will never take a day off. I frown upon it. In fact, you get uh, belittled in my office big time. So that's, that, I was going to say that. There's a little, you're like, it's bullshit. Because it sounds like it got brought up in a meeting, like, well, this day counts as a day off. It, 100%. You're gone for a little bit. 100%. So like, because like, so I was like, they're like, you you know, you're getting a, a full day for that two o'clock. I'm like, well, it was a Sunday and yeah. days off started at four. And like, well, it, it just became the big thing. I'm like, just put a full day down. Put Love a full it. day down. But like, like my assistant's going to Florida this weekend. I'm like, who the fuck told you you could go to Florida? You know what I mean? Like it, you, you are publicly shamed when you take a day off. And people nowadays, I get it. Somebody out there is gonna be like, it's about balance, you're not doing it right. Get the fuck out. I, I, balance <laughs> is such a millennial word. It's such a bullshit word of what people tell themselves because they don't have the energy or drive and they burn out. I don't burn out. 
I never felt burnt out. I don't feel like I'm not waking up every day like a man on a mission, okay? Like I wanna work, I will take your lunch because you don't wanna do it. But this whole thing of that I could be successful by working less is all bullshit. I don't care what anybody says. I can give you a million examples. I'm not gonna call any agents out, but there's a lot of you guys out there that took your foot off the gas and you thought like, hey, I could build a team, take a step back and like find more of me time. It's like, that's great. You, I'm not telling you, you, you shouldn't have balance if that's what you want, but don't tell me you wanna be number one and have balance. Because if you wanna be number one or come up to the top, you're gonna have to take down somebody like myself and I won't take the foot off the gas. That's incredible. It's you incredible. Know. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. You know, I, I want to shift gears, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're doing a recap for, you know, last year. What mm -hmm. are your predictions? Well, first off, how did you lay it last year? What's your total volume? We finished at 289 and some change million closed and roughly about 20 million pending. Wow. Uh, so we finished around, I'd have to look, it was about 550 deals closed and like, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 pending going into this year. So That's roughly almost 600 places closer under contract. Uh, last year. So it was our best year ever. Um, we were on pace to just fucking, I think I, at one point we were on pace for like 450 million. Wow. And then, and then that, that, uh, summer shift happened, uh, which happens every year. And it, it caught me a little bit by surprise that the, the, the biggest shift that had happened, but we did, we did expect it to happen. I just, even though you anticipate it to happen when it happens, you're still like, fuck, you know? Yeah. So what, what are you seeing for this year? What do you, what do you see happening in the markets? Let's start with Chicago. What so this is gonna make me sound like a total douche, but I, I, I mean, I have predicted this market to the T of everything that was going to happen. I said this year was going to start off like a rocket ship. It has. Okay. Uh, you know, you have a few reasons why the first time buyers are, so I work in the downtown markets. Okay. So like if you're in the suburbs, you're probably noticing a bigger difference but where we work. My prediction for this year was back to office, right? People are going back to work. Enough of working in your underwear and making $150,000 a year doing nothing. So we're seeing more and more people come back downtown. And because rents are higher, and because there's a lot of people relocating that naturally just like to own and work, the market's doing very, very well right now. We're gonna have an unbelievable first four to five months. So at the end of April, once May hits, you're gonna notice the market's gonna kind of shift a little bit. You're gonna start hearing people being like, I'm feeling a little bit of a slowdown. June, the summer shift's gonna the hit, and it's gonna hit pretty hard. June, July, and August are gonna be tough months. They're not gonna be terrible months, but the people who didn't prepare for it are gonna are gonna be hurt. If you got a buyer right now, it's like I want to feel like I win on a deal. June, July, and August. Okay. Now, from September till December is gonna be the one to watch. Okay. How bad is it gonna be, right? And that is something that nobody can technically predict. Is like, does the stock market crash? Like they, they say, maybe it has another ten to twenty percent to go, right? Maybe it doesn't go at all. These are I can't speak. Uh, like a Ken Griffin on the stock market. I could speak like it on the real estate market, but on the stock market, I can't. That's the unknown that we don't know what could happen, right? Yeah. Does the, if it if it drops really badly in the summertime or some something happens with that, how bad does that make our fall and early winter, right? So I think the fall and early winter is gonna be a bloodbath. It's like, how big of a bloodbath will it be? I don't know. This past end of third and fourth quarter, we called it in the beginning of January, we said it would be a, an effing bloodbath. I knew it was gonna be terrible. I knew the rates were going to get weird and was going to make everybody kind of panic. And that's what happened. I don't know if it could get worse than the last end of the third quarter, fourth quarter was this year, but I'm anticipating something similar. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's gonna be really, really, really bad. So you got to prepare for it. It's interesting. You know, some of these economists in the mortgage world are yeah. calling for, you know, a really an adjustment to when inflation comes back down, we'll see rates come and follow. Rates right? will drop. But yeah. here's the thing is like, it doesn't, if I, I don't think rates will probably, you know, uh, I mean, it could, but I, I don't anticipate rates going back to like the mid sevens. I think we'll probably hover around wherever we're at right now. Maybe go down, maybe even say we go down a point. 
doesn't matter if the economy takes a hit and the layoffs begin, that's when you're gonna have problems. I think we're in store for huge mass layoffs. I think the layoffs are coming. I've been saying this for too long. People have been making too much money doing nothing. When then Ape was eating pizza and people spent $2 million on digital art, that's when I knew something was fucked up. It was like in 06. You're like, that's all for what? That's all for what? That's all, that doesn't make any sense. And then the bubble burst and was like, how did that happen, right? Well, I was like, this is the same thing we're seeing in 06. I'm like, when you got 24 year old kids spending $2 million in digital art, that's when you know there's too much money going around. That's when you know that everybody's just too comfortable. And that's why this working from home bullshit, I don't care what everybody says out there that's watching this, it ain't real life. You can't make $200,000 a year working from home, taking a second job, not working. You're gonna go back to work. And companies that are taking all their this losses in the stock market, they can only take losses for so long to like, what's my biggest expense? What's the company's biggest expense? Employees. Okay, come back to work. You don't wanna come back to work? See you later. And you know what, I, and whether you like Elon Musk or not, I've been saying it's gonna take one celebrity uh, boss to start letting people go to watch the other people start to follow. And right. all these people, that their big employees are like, oh, I hate them, whatever. And that, you know what they're seeing is like, that guy cut three fourths of his staff, his company's still operating. Whether it's doing good or bad, it's debatable, okay? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they're like, the program itself's not working. It's a big reason why I fired a lot of my marketing staff myself too. I was like, I don't know, why am I paying all this money and people are telling me they're busy and we're not busy at all. I'll, I'll give you an example why I, I think this working from home bullshit. I have a firsthand experience as a business owner that writes the checks. I don't have an investor. I don't have mom and dad funding my company. It's whatever I make, I could pay. So here I am paying these people money and people are bitching me in the fourth quarter of how busy they are. And I, I kept looking around I'm like, man, this is, this is the lowest amount of sales I've ever had. This is the lowest amount of listings I've ever had. This is the slowest, this was slower than we were during the, the, the height of the lockdown. I'm like, so, how are you so busy? What are you doing, right? But they're at home. I don't know what they're doing. And employees, big bosses, they're looking at the same way I'm looking at it. And they're saying like, this doesn't make sense. And they're bringing these people back. So the layoffs is why I think the market can be tough. Cause if there's more and more people getting laid off, that's like spreads like wildfire. Well, my friend just got laid off. I'm a little bit nervous to buy. Um, my other friend just got laid off. I'm a little bit nervous to buy. Like, is the market come back? Rates could be 2% for all you care. You can, you can pitch the lowest rates you want, but if people are nervous that they can't pay their bills, they're not gonna be buying. And then a lot of the first time buyers can be going, hey, mom and dad, like I'm thinking about buying my first place. And the mom and dad are like, listen, you need to be conservative with your cash right now. Like this is a tough economy. You better save it, you rent, or you move back home. And that's why the markets be tough. So that's interesting. So Forbes reports that, you know, the, the rental has increased to the highest levels we've seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, the average in Chicago, it came out in 1925. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's pretty intense. Talk to me about rental. What are you seeing with the rental markets? So again, the rental market's been extremely predictable, right? So in October of 2020, Cranes published an article saying that um, renters are king. So you could Google it to sell not show bullshit. They're literally paying people vacations to rent. And this is when the media was pumping up that cities would never exist again, right? Uh, Wall Street Journal, in fact, published an article saying, stick a fork in Manhattan was done. In fact, I called them up, offered them a million dollars cash, said, I'll bet a million against your million that New York will exist again, okay? Of course, they told me that fall off, et cetera. Wall Street Journal, you ever watch this? Look who's right. This is why you don't listen to some of this fear mongering bullshit, right? Yeah. The reality is, is they said nobody would ever rent again. Well, that's because nobody was living in cities. And then guess what happened? People were like, hey, I don't like listening, uh, eating at Applebee's anymore. I'm sick of it. I want to come back around people. And a lot of people who move back to these big cities, they're like, uh, I'm a little bit nervous about like, are we going to really live in the city? So I'm going to rent. Oh, I'm a little bit nervous. Maybe this hybrid won't be hybrid and I'll get locked back down. Well, maybe the crime is really bad, right? 
and I want to kind of rent. Uh, maybe the economy will take a hit and I want to rent. All these things add up. What people understand is there's a million things that happen that dictate why the market goes where it goes. That's why I, I can predict it as I look at all these different things. So all this stuff adds up to why rental price kept going up and 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 up. And now the media is telling you like, hey, we think the rents are going to come down. I don't fucking buy it. I don't buy it all. I think rents are going to go up again. Because really? wow. when you have a volatile economy like we have, when you have a volatile stock market like you have, and you have a workplace that people are unsure of, am I going to have a job? Am I going to go back to office or am I not? There's going to be a lot less people who are going to probably take the chance of buying. And we're getting a lot of people relocating to Chicago for work. 90% of my buyers that I've talked to in the last three weeks are people relocating to go back to the office. These were these idiots that decided to move to these states that you've never heard of, like Utah, Idaho, North Dakota, <laughs> places that people didn't know exist. And now they're like, shit, I got to come back here. Yeah. And those people are like, I don't know if I want to buy because I've never been to Chicago before. Right. So how are rents going to go down? Typically speaking, when you have a tough economy, rents go up. Now, rents went up a lot, again, conspiracy, uh, uh, considering the fact that these guys have thrown this article and said, well, now they're going to have to go down. It's like, well, we were at an all-time low for rentals of demand. Now we're at an all-time high. What's going to make that high go down? Why, why is there going to be less renters this year? What's well, that means the only thing that I would think that would cause that to happen is if people started to leave. But to your point, why it are looks people... like the demand is, is, is here and that it'll just going to continue and get worse. But now I didn't go to Stanford or Harvard. I went to Eastern Illinois. Okay. I call it the Harvard of the Midwest. Okay. I got, I got like C's and D's in college. Okay. So I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm just listening to what the experts at Stanford told me, the, the Ivy League snobs, right? The guys are the smartest of the smart. They came up with the rule, not me. They came up with the rule called supply and demand. I didn't come up with this. They did. Right. So if the supply is low and the demand continues to go up, according to their theories, the Ivy League theories, not the Matt Lair CDs and college theories, the Ivy League theories, that technically speaking, the rent should go up. So why is Forbes and all these other magazines telling you that they're going to go down? What data are they using to back that proof up? Because I'm looking at the market and seeing all the reasons why the rent should go up. Now, I could be wrong. It's possible. But with taxes and set, uh, taxes going up in Chicago and cost of inflation going up and the cost of employment going up uh, to employ door people at your place and staff at your place and everything's going up and the demand's going up, why are the prices going to drop? What scientific data do you have to prove to me that the rents are going to drop, Mr. Forbes? Right? Yeah, I don't see I'm not saying it at you or taking it on you. I'm just saying like, yeah, no, I, this, I, is, I, this is why the market's predictable is because people read this bullshit that these people put out that has absolutely no merit behind it. They read it, they regurgitate it to other people and they act like they know what they're talking about. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like that Goodwill hunting when Matt Damon's like, yeah, fucking, you know, like how those apples fucking, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like that scene. It's like there's intangibles people don't look at. It's really interesting how people will take data and just interpret their own, you know, opinion out of nowhere, right? And there's, oh, well, it, it's the highest it's ever been, so it must have to come down from there, right? Well, I tell people that's why I was compared to like war, right? I'm like General Patton. I'm on the front lines. He was one of the most feared generals in United States history. He was on the front lines with his troops. The guys back in the United States couldn't tell him what was happening with the Germans. He could. He was up front with his troops. He could tell you what the troops were feeling. He could tell you which way the wind was blowing. He could tell you what the enemy thought. The guy that's never been over to Germany before can't tell you what the German soldier thinks because he's never met one. He's no. read about him. No. Okay. But when you're on the front lines, you could smell it. You could feel it. You could taste it. You know what's actually happening. So these guys that write these articles a lot of times, they're just guys that are, this guy's probably never even been to Chicago. He has no idea what's happened. He just looked at a couple pieces of information, looked at his Ivy League degree. He was like, let's create this shit and see if it sticks. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Speaking of the people who like to um, put things out there and, and, and really just kind of spin it the way for their narrative. And mm -hmm. it, 
a lot of a term that's been used pretty frequently as of late that I, I just love is this hibernating, you know, buyer, right? Or, or housing is hibernating, mm -hmm. right? Um, have you seen this, right? Where everybody's talking about how everybody's just kind of hanging out. What are, what are you seeing in regards to people hanging back or, or maybe waiting for something in order to pull the trigger? I, I got to be honest with you. I don't even know what a hibernating buyer is. Really? What, yeah. Is that a buyer that's sitting back and come waiting? Yeah. So um, I see this on the mortgage side. I see, yeah. you know, a common objection will be, well, you know, I want to get pre-approved. I want to get everything squared away. And, yeah. and I, I think I want to buy. Yeah. And on the mortgage side, I can do math. Yeah. You're the emotional side, right? Yeah. They, they they get with a realtor and they, they're trying to figure out, is this the right strategy? Should I buy now or should I wait? Is there a oh, lower price coming? So they, yeah. they're pre-approved. They're good. They're a solid borrower with a solid job, but they're, yeah. they're either waiting for a crash yeah. or they're waiting for a lower interest rate or they're wait, they're just waiting because they think there's something better coming. Yeah, right? that's just a made up buyer. So like at the end of the day, like that that's not a new phenomenon. That's, that's always around. We, so in my office, you know, we have two words for them. First off, we call them a Texas two-step buyer. The buyers that you know want to tell people that they're buying, they bring a chick with them to try to impress them. Like, yo, babe, you want to go to this five million dollar penthouse? Yeah, here's my pre-approval. I could buy the. And the girl's like, whoo, man, this guy's yeah, he's cool, right? He could buy a five million dollar property, huh? Like, but he's not a buyer. In my in my office, we always say like after we meet a first person, it's it's the biggest saying. Guy comes in the office, I'm like, yo, how'd that go? He goes, not a buyer. Huh? I'm like, not a buyer. He's not a buyer. I'm like, all right, let's give him. A couple more times, you can tell certain questions you can ask. You'd feel it. Like again, I think another reason why we're so successful, I, I can read people very well. I could, I could just pick up on it. I know if you're a buyer or not a buyer. Those people aren't buyer. The people who are like, I, I wish I would have, right? I wish I would have bought Apple in the '80s. I wish I would have bought Tesla when it dropped. Now it drops again. Well, I'm just buy Tesla. What if it goes down more, right? They're always a, you know, shoulda, woulda, couldas. Like the reality is, like either jump in or don't jump in. That's why right. I call them Texas two step. They're in, they're out. They go under contract. They tell all their friends they're on contract, and then they pull it off, mm -hmm. right? And then like we're always like. Like me and my attorney are like, should we fight to save it? I'm like, well, we, we want it more than they want it. If you want it more than your client wants it, you know that they're not buyers, you know? So like, there's just some people who aren't buyers. And I'll tell it to people, I, I call it out. I'm like, listen, you're either a buyer or not a buyer. Like, what do you say to somebody right now? And, and I think you're pretty candid with your clients, right? Yeah. If they're apprehensive in the market conditions, should I buy a house right now or should I wait or, you know? I think it depends on where you're buying. Am I buying in Florida, Miami? I'd probably wait. I mean, I don't know the market well enough down there, but I mean, what the, the amount of growth that's gone on down there. Yeah is unstable. Uh, I know everybody's telling me everybody's gonna move to Florida and it's great and blah, 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 but they said that in 06 too. And I remember people selling $5 million penthouses for $900,000. So I don't know. I, I think there's certain parts of the market that I'm not educated enough on to tell you whether or not you should buy because I don't sell down there. But if you're looking to buy in my markets, I don't think there's ever a better time to buy than the day it is, you know? Like, unless our property values went down in most sectors of the market last year, okay? So if the market's down, like, what do I, what do I care? Maybe, what if they drop 5% more, right? What, what if, okay, but if rents are an all-time high, like, what do you really get for it? Yeah. All you're doing, I mean, I don't know a huge portfolio real estate. All you're doing is renting off an asshole landlord like me, paying my bills, I'm getting rich off it to do absolutely nothing because you're too afraid to pull the trigger. So which one do you want to be? I mean, worst case scenario, you lose a couple bucks. Best case scenario, you make a couple bucks. But if you rent, no matter what, you lose. So speaking of luxury in florida yeah. and all these beautiful houses this this listing is amazing yeah we're at 900 washington we called it noir i'm a wine snob it's named after pinot noir so i think it's black too it's cool i don't know it's a sick building i think it looks cool would you mind showing us around you mind give us a tour of the uh of I the could, place i could take us a look around yeah let's do it yeah you're gonna make me turn back 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 way back to the oldest me guarantee that you notice me
Matt, um, you know, I, I find it really interesting. I, I saw this report with Cranes that was talking about uh, last year we saw 133 um, luxury properties over four million sold, yep. which is like three times the average of the last six years. Yeah. Um, what are you seeing in the luxury market right now? I mean, are you seeing that activity continue or, or is it is exploding? Is it slowing down? I mean, listen, it's, it's not a huge surprise that, you know, the luxury market last year was really hot. You had a lot of people, a lot of money, yeah. right? Especially in the first three to four months, people were making hand over fist money at the crypto market that was like insanely hot, right? Uh, and people wanted to take that money and put it into a hard asset, especially with inflation being higher, right? So what we saw happen is we saw properties see the benefit of that. This year, you're gonna see the luxury market get literally demolished. I think this year, the luxury sales are gonna be at one of the lowest points we've probably seen in three or four years. I think people who had money are gonna get a little bit tighter. So when the economy starts to take a little bit of a hit, people get nervous and the rich always hold because in uncertain times they're gonna hold. You don't have this digital currency stuff going crazy. You have inflation a little bit higher. You have a, a big talk of job market kind of closing down like we discussed earlier. Mm -hmm. So if the employer is firing a lot of their employees, if they're not top, 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 they may also be thinking, what if I get demoted or have to take a pay cut to keep my job? So people are gonna take a step back and kind of say, hey, like maybe I don't think buying a $4 million property this year is gonna be the best move. Let's kind of wait it out a year. So I'm not saying you're not gonna see a lot of luxury sales. I'm not gonna say that like they won't be a, a, a good market for it. I just don't think it's me great. I think we'll have like an average to below average luxury sales here. And in fact, so far this year, you know, it, it's not starting off as good as a lot of people would have thought. We've had a few really high end sales, but I just, I don't think that's going to last past the first three or four months. Wow. Well, you're, you're a vast wealth of knowledge and I beyond appreciate you walking us through this place. It's been a great, great no problem, man. Thanks so much for having Thanks me on. Thanks so much for being on. Yeah. Thank you. I have one thing I want to leave you with. Yeah. We did this with a few guests and I, I wanted to ask you. Okay. If we had a billboard in Chicago, we put yeah. it up and it was just yours. Yeah. And we're not talking sales. We're not talking Matt Laracy, the realtor. If you yeah. could put a quote out in Chicago and just with one saying, what would you have? It yeah. Say? Oh man. I actually, I don't think I would have a quote on there. What would you put? I, I wouldn't. I would just put our name up there and just that. That's it. Just that. Because here's the thing. People are like, what is it? I don't know what that is. Like I saw that, you know? That's it. Fair Simple. enough. Simple. I'm a less is more type guy. All right. Fair enough. Cool. Thank you for your time, All right, man. man. Thank you. Appreciate All right. it. Thank you. That does it for this edition of Coffee is for Closers. I'm your host, Tim Brigham, and thank you for the coffee appointment.